do it. Hey everybody, welcome back to the 73rd episode of Taps and Patience, the podcast that has exceptionally upbeat music this week. I am AJ with Audacity Micro, and I had a nap, and I'm feeling great after a, several very long days. I am here with my co-host, Harrison of Precision Ingenuity, who's also feeling pretty upbeat, apparently, <laughs> thanks to this music. <laughs> Hi, Harrison. How are you doing? Doing good. With, with this music, I'm wondering if you got a nice <laughs> hot glass of milk before your nap. I feel like that would make kind of tired. tired. I know, but it would help you with your nap. You know, because oh, it would have. Yes, it kind of sounds like like one of those songs you'd hear on like Bluey or something. So it's like yeah. putting you to bed, like <laughs> like an upbeat kids show. I did not need help with going with my nap. <laughs> Do you know what time I went to bed last night? What time was it? This morning, five five this morning. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so your 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 hours are becoming. Like five to five, but it's five a.m. to five a.m. <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> now i I probably got back into the shop at ten today. Okay, so, ten to five. Are you, are you about caught up with the craziness? If I could get this one job out the door, which is taking me far longer than I ever expected, uh, I will be back on track as long as I don't let myself get behind on the next job let's see today is monday the 26th my next job ships on the 29th thursday it's famous last words it should be a pretty quick and simple part uh, it has some relatively tight uh tolerances but it's just plastic they're relatively yeah. tight for plastic so i think there's like um it kind of looks like a bore that you'd stick a tube into i think it's a manifold it's a fancy manifold so there are some a couple bores that kind of go into the center manifold that are a little bit tight, but like plastic tight, not like metal tight. They're like plus or minus three or something. Gotcha. The only thing I am worried about is there is one very long hole that runs through the length of the manifold. Oh, really? How long? Or how many it's times? Like D, six I inches. Guess would be, it'd be it'd be a how many times D? It's it's fairly wide diameter. I don't remember what it is. I think it's over an inch. Oh wow, that is a that's a big hole. So it's, it's a big hole. If it's a if it's an inch diameter over six inches, that's not a very big ratio. But it's just a really yeah. big hole for that machine, and that's a really deep hole for that machine. So I'm gonna hit it from both sides. Uh, and meet in the middle. And then I have my, you, I've, I've shown it a couple times. I have this monster three eighths inch end mill. That's like six inches long. And it's just, it's just plastic. It's like, yeah. I don't remember if it's UHMW or Delrin, but it, it'll, it'll cut like butter. Yeah. So. That'll be good. Or HDPE. It's HDPE. That's what it is. Oh yeah. That one is stringy. I've, I, I've done a lot of that over the last week. The The parts I had before this one were HDPE, so that's okay. fine. I've, I've run into issues where I've run some HDPE, and it is just super stringy. It, it seems like anytime I would face something and then come back and do the side profile, that it would leave this really thin webbing where the two corners met. And a chamfer mm. would take it off, 
most of the time. But the chat front would have to be a certain depth to actually take it off. Because if you tried to do a really light chamfer, it, it would sometimes just push that material in, but not actually cut it. Yeah, I I have found with HDP, um, heavy cut, like a really fast cut with sharp tools does a really nice job. And mm-hmm. because it's just HDP, I mean, you can cut it at like 200 inches a minute. Yeah. And with a really heavy feed per tooth and that does well. And then the thing that I've learned from the the little tiny parts, the ones I just published a video on, is sometimes doing the chamfering pass with a conventional approach as opposed to climb cutting uh, helps with those burrs. That would be it kind of pushes it away instead of pushing it in. Yeah. Kind it, of rips it rips it out. I have to like do the math on which way is climb and which way is conventional. I don't know. It helps. Um, also a lot of times on plastic, I don't deburr in the machine. I just deburr by hand if I can reach it. Yeah. I have a hard time with most of my deeper tools are sharp enough that if I try to hand deburr, it like cuts way into the part. I I've been meaning to ask you slash tell you about this. Have you ever used a Ruby stone? No, I've never even heard of it. It is my favorite thing for deburring. And maybe that's just like the nature of the parts I do. It doesn't work quite as well on like aluminum. It's like basically a very fine grit stone, essentially. And mm. it almost doesn't even cut material. It does It does actually remove material. Like it does cut and abrade it away, but it's really, really gentle. So you can like just mm. kind of go at a sharp corner pretty aggressively and like you're not going to completely just destroy the corner. Like it, it's a very forgiving uh, way of deburring, which is really nice when you're like me and don't have, you know, don't do the hand-eye coordination thing very well. So, gotcha. and it also works on plastic, but yeah, I really like my Ruby stone, especially for stainless. I don't like it on aluminum, but for, for harder materials, is, it's fantastic. Is it like a stick or like a file? The one I have is kind of like a file. Uh, it was actually designed to like go in one of those funny knife sharpeners from... I, I bought a bunch of different stones when I was thinking about developing a knife and I was trying to play with ways to sharpen them and didn't get very far down that route. But I have like a whole bunch of stones. They're like an inch wide and like six inches long. And I have them in basically every grit that you can buy a stone in. And gotcha. it just so happens that the ruby stones are really, really nice for deburring. <clears throat> hmm. That's good to know. Yeah. You can get them on Amazon in like file form, like the ones that are, mm-hmm. they kind of look like a needle file. And I've been meaning to pick up a pack of those. I actually just, I'm going to do that right now. Um, so how's, how's the Haas, the new one? The five so, axis one. Yeah, I, haven't really done a whole lot since we last talked. It's honestly been only like two or three days. My Friday last week was spent fighting with Zometry and <laughs> I, I was in a plant for most of the morning, uh, a local plant, um, dropping off some parts and getting some stuff installed on some equipment. Kind of, it was one of those older jobs. I've, I've been on this job since August of last mm-hmm. year and I'm so ready to get it closed out. 
and get paid for it. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's 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 just been dragging on and on and on. It's a cool project. It's kind of a low stress project, but it's one of those projects that has just outstayed its welcome that just needs to go away. Like yep. I just want to wash my hands of it, say it's done, and, and move on. It's it's basically using 3D printed parts that I've designed in a food processing plant and it's in an area where the the food is already packaged so it's not a sanitary issue and it's it's solving mm-hmm. some problems that they have with the maintenance of the machines um but it's equipment that's really old and there's mm-hmm. no 3D models on it and yep. so the major headache with this project has been taking measurements in the field designing something up in CAD, bringing it there and putting it on and having things that you didn't quite have the right measurement on, or they're not in exactly the right spot compared to what you measured it. Um, stuff like that, or the measurements that were supplied were incorrect. And so yeah. <laughs> it's been a lot of back and forth and annoyances and I'm just, I'm ready to be done with it. And then the, yep. the other problem with it is, is that, We've been, we've been, I've been 3D printing them with a SL, SLS, I think is what it is. It's the, it's the powdered nylon. Okay. Yeah. That's probably SLS or similar. And I don't have one of those. So I'm having to outsource the parts and like this job is really expensive and it's mainly because of the outsourcing. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's a very, it's a low margin job too. So it's like mm. it's like a high effort, low margin, dragging out, pain in the butt job. It's been fun, but I'm ready to be done with it. So get it off my list. So yep. I did that Friday morning. Friday afternoon, uh, we talked a little bit. I had a, a part from Zometry, some inspection stuff. I did end up getting it shipped out on Friday. It shipped out today after right right before or right after lunch. And it was a lot of back and forth with Zometry. I learned a lot. I definitely need to get better and more measuring equipment because it was a really high margin job. The only, it, it took me like no time to run. All the effort and the struggles have been on the inspection side and getting Zometry what they want. Which some of it's their fault because they didn't give me the right stuff that I needed. And then I, I have been frustrated with them because I have been more than willing to hop on the phone, email, whatever, for them to talk me through what they're looking for and, and seeing if I can get them what they need so they'd be happy with it. Because I am no measuring expert. Like, I'm good at the CNC machining stuff, but uh, some of the GD&T stuff, I'm definitely a very, very beginner level on. And it was a couple, there was two or three GD&T GD tolerances that I have never mm. taken before that was the problem. And so I I wanted to get someone on the phone that kept failing him and being like, hey, this is the this is the measuring equipment I have. I'm more than happy to take this measurement. Can you help me brainstorm a good way to get this measurement to make sure that it's the way the customer wants it? And I couldn't get anyone on the phone from the virtual QC side. And and that's that was the most frustrating thing for me is that I was more than willing to do whatever I needed to do. And if I needed to go pick up some equipment from local machine shops that I know in the area, I was more than willing to do that. 
but I didn't know, like, I'm not familiar with the GDNT stuff well enough to know what all the different symbols and proper procedures for measuring them. And the only reason I took this job, even though I, I saw those issues, was that I've taken jobs like this in the past that's never been an issue. I just say, like, hey, was unable to measure this measurement. And they're like, oh, that's fine. No worries. And so I think some of that's past zometry versus today's zometry because yep. I took a lot of those jobs probably two years ago or a year ago. And it seems like zometry's changing, at least on the measurement side. There are a lot they're they're a lot more formalized, a lot more like it's a better system for the end customer, but it hasn't been communicated to me as as a as and part of that's just because we haven't taken a lot of zometry work up until recently. And so we're kind of getting back onto that zometry train a little bit. Um just trying to take some work and get some stuff on the newer machine. So yeah. Yeah, it seems like the way Zometry communicates stuff like this is by basically just like telling you you fail or not. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like that's so that's their communication method. Yeah, so I don't know. I I know now, and I'm excited for the new shop. And we're we're, (laughs) speaking of inspection, walls are going up this week. For Ooh. the office and inspection area and, and kind of the front of the building. So mm-hmm. the first set of walls went up this afternoon. So that's exciting. So, yeah. So I've had a problematic part. <laughs> okay, let's hear it. The actual, I, I should say, the actual machining of the part has gone fairly smoothly. I haven't mm-hmm. really hit any major roadblocks. I anyway, the part is kind of a big plastic Delrin part. Uh, it's about six inches long. It's like two inches tall, and it's got it's got some funny angles in it. And it is mm-hmm. a five operation part. The first operation was like 15, 20 minutes, something like that. The second mm-hmm. operation was like ten minutes. And the third operation has been like five minutes, I think. And then the fourth and the fifth operations, which are not done yet, those are both going to be literally like probably as fast as I can load them onto the machine. They're very quick little chamfers or just popping a hole in the side. But this has taken me so much longer than I expected. What's, what's, been, the ma- what's been the major time loss? So the first thing that happened is my mill broke down on me. Oh, so on um, Friday, I was running these parts and I got an alarm that was like, hey, the Y axis servo, not happy. And I played with it and I played with it. And basically I could get it to the point where it would occasionally like kind of try to jerk the Y axis. But even that was intermittent. And for the most part, the Y axis just would not move at all. And I spent probably two days trying to get that thing working. I I tried I tried all kinds of things. I went through, you know, like I got to the point where I was like drawing out the like the system diagram on a piece of paper and like specifically like blocking things off and testing them as individual components so I could figure out what was wrong with them. Uh, eventually, I decided to 
figure out if it was the motor, if the motor itself was just shot. And I went to swap it with the X-axis motor. And I, I, I got the Y-axis motor off. I got the X-axis motor off. I put the Y-axis motor in where the X-axis motor was. Put the, And then I went to go plug everything in. And the, um, the cables didn't match up. The like the Y axis motor had a female connector on the end and the X axis had a male connector. And so then I went, I was like, oh, gosh. And I was originally just going to go find different connectors and just switch to some other connector. And I went and I got some like automotive ones that are waterproof Mm -hmm. and they look pretty nice. But at the last minute, I decided just to swap the two connectors that were on the motor. And so I I cut the connectors off both ends and I started splicing them in. And I got the 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 one on the um, the x-axis motor, and that was fine. And then I was putting the new connector on the y-axis motor, and I went to solder one of the wires, and the wire just pulled right out of the cable. And so it turns out there were there were two broken wires between the motor and like the connector that's on the end of the 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 motor cable where it plugs into the the main machine wire loom and i was able to solder that wire back together um got it all nicely buttoned up and you know nicely heat shrunk sealed and like it looks it looks good plugged it back in and machine works now so So are the x and y motors the same just different connectors they are the motors are identical i do not know why the connectors were flipped on them they shouldn't have been i think the previous owners did something i think the y-axis motor that was in there was either like a refurb unit or like stolen from another machine because when i pulled it out it had a printed label on the side of the motor that said good and then it had like eight exclamation points after it which sounds like they they had like a parts machine they took it out of and stuck it in this one Oh. And I bet they swapped the connector at some point. Okay. So, Interesting. But it works now, so I haven't had I haven't had any problems with it. Are your X and Y motors still switched then? They they are still switched, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Now, so. whenever you switched them, does that mess with your encoders at all? I lost my uh, work offsets because of that. Okay, but like, so, but otherwise is, it's fine. Did did the encoders? Does the motors have encoders built into them? Yes, the encoders are built into the motors. They are not absolute encoders. It works just like the eleven um, hundreds, the Tormox, where mm-hmm. the when they go to home, they hit the inductive sensors. And then they find the nearest, oh, uh, what's it called? The there's there's zero there's point a, of the encoder. Yeah, the Z yeah. channel. Yeah. So there's on the Haas machines, and I, I remember hearing this at one point. There is one. You you have your regular encoder, and then there's a second encoder ring, but it's only got one slot. And so basically, yes. it, it goes until it hits the button, and then it rewinds until it finds that slot. And that's where it sets the zero at, or yes. sets the zero in relation to that. Yeah, most encoders 
have what's like the Z phase, and that's what that is, the index phase, the index pulse, and then they have A and B pulses. And the A, B pulses are just offset from each other by, I don't know, X degrees. And that's how it can tell which direction it's moving. But then the Z index pulse indicates a whole rotation. Yeah. But that's also why the the Tormach machines, they don't do that. They just go till they hit the switch and that's your zero point. Not the 11 or not the MXs. They do. They do? Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Yes, which is why if you if you have too many chips built up, like on your Y-axis bellows, for example, uh, oh, I'm sorry, they don't they don't use the limit switches. They crash into the end of the the travels. They have bumpers they tra- crash into. But if you have chips built up on the um, if you have chips built up on the bellows, it'll think that it's crashing into the bumpers, and you'll end up exactly one index pulse off. So a lot of the times when you're when you home and it homes in the wrong position, most of the time you're exactly fifty thou off because that's the uh, pitch of the ball screws on the the MXs. Are you sure? I'm sure. Okay. Well, no, there's an actual limit switch in there. They don't crash. Mine has limit switches. I can see it on the x-axis. They do have limit switches. They is that on the opposite end? Is that the over travel? No, because there's a little block you can move. Because I had a problem. All right, Norman, with my... set us straight here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll I'll just state my theory, and then someone will correct me, because this is what I've heard. I've heard that the the Tormox, whenever you go to home them, they go till they hit the limit switch, and then they set their zero based off of when that limit switch actually clicks, and that the encoder is it just finds that position and calls that zero. The Haas machines, I believe it goes until it hits the encoder and then it does the it, it, that's why the that's why if you watch the Tormox, they hit it and then they stop. The Haas machines, if they hit it, they actually move backwards after they hit it. So if you watch a Haas machine, it'll go it'll hit it and then it'll go back. Whereas the Tormox, I believe they just hit it and they just stop. I could have sworn mine went back. But gosh, I, I'm Tormockless now, so what do I know? Yeah. I'll watch mine just to verify that. I could be wrong, but yeah. Hey, hey, Norman, th- send us a message. Yeah, but um, I know that for a fact. I've because I someone pointed that out to me because I, I I see it every time I watch a Haas. Now is they 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 move back and they move back relatively far. It seems like sometimes, um, but I don't know. Is Anyways. your uh, VF three an SS a super speed? Yes. Your ball screws on that machine are a less Heavier fine pitch. pitch, so it Correct. may move back farther. Yeah. I wonder I wonder if the ball screws on mine are the same pitch as a normal Haas or if they're finer pitch. Yeah, I don't know. But I was talking to someone the other day, and I, ma- I made the observation that my machine is fast, but it's not quick. The super speeds. Acceleration-wise, is that the... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So like you're when still, you're doing you're sling, slinging around a lot of mass on that table. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> like it can get up and it can haul butt, but if you're doing a bunch of really tiny adaptive moves, it's not that fast just because of of how much mass it's moving around. So I can definitely see like if you were get, got like a Speedio Robo Drill DT style machine that it would not only be fast but it'd be quick. Yep. So 
but not to say that this machine is slow by any means. I can go all the way, I can go all the way from x negative to x positive to x negative and x positive before the Tormach can go from x negative yeah. to x positive <laughs> once. So like, and you're moving a lot farther, <laughs> and I'm moving a lot further. So yeah, it's it's still really ridiculously fast, but in over short distances, it doesn't get up to speed. So. Yep. But I think that is still one of the things that is slowing my machine down. Like a lot of the times, sometimes the fusion estimate estimate of times is pretty spot on. Mm-hmm. But when I'm, for example, on large plastic parts where I'm doing some fairly fast feeds, that's where it, it falls apart and things are taking longer than I expect. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm, I have the program speed at like, 270 inches a minute or something like that and it's just not getting up that fast it doesn't have time and that's something where i think fusion doesn't have acceleration built into any of their calculations i I feel like you can set it but i don't know i'd have to go look because it it, maybe you can set it and it's just not set on most posts yeah uh, or, or most calculations i'll have to look into that because one thing I did notice is I teach a class in the evening and I was comparing my simulation time to my student simulation time. And mm-hmm. my time was way different than all the students. And they all have the, the default and it was showing much faster, like a minute or two faster machining time than mine was. And we went through all of their settings to make sure that like, or not all their settings. Like we went through their tool path to make sure it matched mine. I went through the simulation where, you know, you're like the feed rate, um, your tool change time and your accelerate and your uh, max speed. It made sure those are all equal and our times were still different. So there's something I've changed at one point, whenever I was trying to get my simulation times to be more accurate, that was adjusting the time. And it was pretty substantial. Yeah. I don't remember how to do that. I have uh, fusion pulled up here. I know that there is definitely a way where you can just be like, eh, be 20% slower. Mm-hmm. But I could have sworn there was a way you could set the, oh, maybe you have to set up like whole machine simulation and that's where you can set things like uh, acceleration. Maybe. Ah, yeah, there's a button that simulate with machine. Oh, here we go. Machine time. You can, set, that, your, you can set your rapid feed like a just percentage scalar and the amount of time it takes for a tool change. Yeah. But see, there's nothing in there for accelerations. And that's, that's the, that's the part that I think is missing from all of this. Yeah. I think you're right. The the question is, can you set that in uh, like the full machine sim, which I have not played with at all. Yeah. And I, I think you can. Um, Cause mine, even like I said, even that area plus the tool path was the same between me and the students. So I have done something on the scaling side on internally to tweak my times, but it's been so long since I've messed with it. It was, it was back probably a year or two ago whenever I did all that. Yeah. And, um, it got me more accurate simulation times for the Tormach. Um, but I need to readjust them for the Haas basically, or yeah. set up a different profile. But there was, there was some things that you can change to get a more accurate time. So, but I really want to build. Oh, sorry. No, I'm, I'm done. I, 
I really want to build out my fusion templates even more than I have them now, I think. Did I talk about the fusion template that I actually built? No. So I actually built a five axis fusion template. I built Ooh, one. Nice. And I have it set up where it has the stock material. It probes it to find center. I don't have many tool paths set up yet, mm-hmm. but you can, I, I have it set up in configurations where you can rotate the jaws. Either you could have them be on the inner configuration or outer configuration. And you can set the size nice. of your stock. And it does a couple other things, but I did that. I got that built up before I ran my first five axis part. I spent about a half Good. a day to a day getting that set up. I need to build it out a lot better though. And I need to build it out for round, but I need a way to hold round material. So, and, and go ahead. Uh, have you considered an ER call it Chuck? <laughs> like, one that somebody, yeah. or just a three-jaw chuck, maybe using a mounting plate that somebody just sent you an email about. Yes, I'm. I but I'm looking at setting up a quick change pallet system, um, like a on your like rotary, a, on my rotary. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense because I want to change it out does. between um, a three-axis vise, a, you know, five C collet or a NER collet or a three-jaw, four-jaw vice you know something and or even between the three jaw and maybe a five jaw or a dovetail christmas tree style i yeah i still want to get some sort of zero point worked out on my machine yeah so this is the summary of my research so shunk seems to have some of the best stuff in like their little, it's like Vero system is mm-hmm. basically everything that I've ever wanted, but it's really expensive. So I'm not even going to look at it. Um, that may work really well for what you want to do. Yeah. Lang is my next highest competitor. They seem to do everything that I want as well, except um, it's like screw actuated or lever actuated. If you want a reasonably priced and compact solution, they have a pneumatic solution, but it's just stupidly expensive and it's massive. It it wouldn't fit on my machine. I don't think fifth axis is Lang, but worse. So there's like basically no reason to go for them. Um, Aroa is really tempting for me because a lot of automation and stuff uses Aroa. It's also just good for small things and -hmm. you can get a lot of it used or off brand. So like maybe get a, you know, a brand new high quality base, but then I could get used pallets and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm liking a row right now. And then there's the Saunders puck chuck, but which is somehow lower performance and more expensive than the other options. Yeah. Yeah. So, those are the zero point stuff. That's, that's my zero point research in a nutshell. Yeah. I'm, that's, Go ahead. I say I'm I'm seriously leaning towards a row right now. My problem is if you like just go look at the stuff that's out there, you like need a, a, a guide to walk you through it. Like there's I don't know, lots of numbers and things. And I just don't understand the different palettes and the different bases yet. I need to just like do some research. But um, you can find 
use bases or Chinese bases for like three or 400 bucks, which would be a pretty reasonable way to get started. And I could probably get two on my mill. Yeah. So. And then it would be super easy to shift to automation if I'm already running everything Aroa. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's that's something I need to get more comfortable on the five axis. I need to get some more tool holders. And I need to get some jobs off my list and pick up new businesses. I got I got a lot of stuff that needs to happen. <laughs> Same. But it's trying to figure out the order and when I can do things because moving into a new shop sucks. It's expensive as crap. Yeah, I. So when we were talking about this before you moved in, I think I said it would be like nine times more expensive than you thought it would be. Where where in that ballpark are we? I don't know. It's not more expensive. <laughs> like everything that I thought of is the same, if not less. Like I got really good deals on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. It's it's the amount of things that I don't need. Like, but I do, if that makes sense. <laughs> no. So, like, we can still function at the same capacity that we did in the old shop. Mm-hmm. But to take advantage of our new space and of our new machine, there's a lot of support things that we need that would oh. make it oh, run a lot smoother. Like, oh, I need to buy floor mats. Or, oh, I need to buy another toolbox. Yeah, yeah, those things will definitely get you. Oh, I need a pallet jack now. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, it's all the other stuff that like, I don't need, but I need that like is going to just eat my lunch. And there's a few other things that I really need that I just don't have the money for right now. And there's a, there's a place that I found online that I was just, I was just uh, browsing used equipment and someone has a brand new Doosan Cobot. Ooh, <laughs> and and they basically s- said that it, they had a post for it. It was a really good price, and I messaged them and I was like, "Hey, you know, is this thing still available?" They said, "Yeah," and I and I was like, "Hey, listen, I'm not trying to to beat you down any." I said, "You've got it listed for an amazing price." I said, "I'm I'm interested in one of those. I don't have the cash for it right now, but if you ever decide to lower your price any." Um, or, you know, you get desperate to get rid of it. Let me know, because I would I would love to make a low ball offer, basically. And then the person responded back, make me a low ball offer. Hmm. <laughs> so I'm just like, oh, man, like this could be a great opportunity, but I have like zero cash right now. Yep. And so. Gosh, I'm we're we're for filing for our taxes right now, and I got to see how Same. much money we have left over after that. Cause that's, mm. that's, we've got a, we've got a big pile of cash that we've set aside for taxes and with buying the new machine last year, I'm hoping that we owe nothing and that if we owe nothing, then that'll be a huge chunk of cash that we could spend on some things. So anyways, looking yep. at a cobot. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> don't, don't, I, don't need to be like, it's, it's way earlier than what we were planning, but you know, opportunities like that don't come around very often. And I'd like to, I'd like to see what they would take. 
I've been doing just kind of a lot of thinking in general lately about like, okay, what do I need to be able to move faster? What do I need? Like, what is holding me back right now? Mm -hmm. I think some of it is like just stuff that I need to dump money into. Like, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it takes me five minutes longer than it needs to every time I need to go flip a fixture, put a new fixture on my machine. And that's Mm -hmm. why I'm thinking about a zero point system. I need more tool holders and like to have my tool library better organized. I did finally just buy five more tool holders because they were super cheap from Haas. So now I actually, for the first time since I've owned this machine, I have more tool holders than ATC pockets. Oh, nice. Um, Which is a little bit of an improvement. So I'm, I think what I need to do is have twice as many core tools but have like a offline set of core tools and an online set of core tools, which maybe they're not even core tools at this point anymore, but, but I need to have they a, can... like, this is my aluminum set of tools. And then I need to have a duplicate. This is my hard material set of tools. Um, yeah. And they, they could still be core tools. They'll just be material specific core tools. Yeah. Which I do. I have right now. I have like six aluminum specific core tools in my machine. And then like six um, stainless specific core tools and that does cover a really large percentage of my work but it doesn't Mm -hmm. cover everything and i still have to switch tools all the time and i think i could do less thinking and have better more efficient cam templates if i just had like twice as many core tools that i just swapped in or two sets of tools that i could swap in i'll have the offsets written that down and just load them up yeah speaking of tools though that got me thinking didn't you break something on your tool setter? Yeah, <laughs> I kind of <laughs> broke off the um, the pad of my my tool setter. It's a um, what I would call a fusible link. There is a part that is designed to break off before the tool setter gets damaged, and that's what broke. Um, those, those plastic parts we were talking about, I threw one. Oh, I. I thought that I, when I went back, I thought that I had initially finished before I roughed. It turns out what happened is I tweaked an, tweaked an adaptive. And by tweaking the adaptive, it decided to not machine a pocket. And so then I tried to finish that pocket that hadn't been um, roughed yet. So it, it, it kind of violently threw the part. The tool survived, but it threw the part and took off my um, the little tip of my my tool setter. Uh, I ordered more. Ouch. They came in today. I should have gotten them from McMaster. Fun fact, they're half the price on McMaster than they are on Haas. But I ordered oh. them from Haas. I didn't know that until afterwards. So, hmm. yeah. Anyway, I ordered one and then a spare as well. Gotcha. Yeah, that's something I'll probably need to order some of. And yeah, get just a spare have next hand. time you do a McMaster order. <laughs> yeah, send me the link or something. Or is or do I just look up Renishaw Probe? Yeah, just look up Renish. It'll show up. Okay. Do you want to know some good news that I just I just heard today? I would love to hear some good news that you just heard today. There is a a new company moving into our town that is going to be an injection molding company, and they oh, bought they bought one of they bought one of the old massive manufacturing shops that have been empty for a while. Okay. And so, like, looking at the size of it, it's probably, like, 
I don't know. It's probably over an 80,000 square foot building that they just bought that they're moving into. I just I just heard about it today. So are you thinking you could get some like mold work from them? Well, ironically, I haven't seen it yet, but Weston texted me. There's a different mold company in the, in another town that um, emailed Weston or called Weston and wanted to have him quote some work. Mm. So there's that's that's a different mold company. So now that's two mold companies that I've heard about in the same day that yeah. <laughs> might need some work, um, which is kind of cool. Which ironically, when I went to look at this machine in person with the five axis trunnion, they were doing mold work on it. Oh, really? Yeah. So the company that we went and looked at, they were running um, mold parts um, on the same machine. Okay. On a super speed. On, your, on it, a um, VF3. VF3 super speed. Yeah. Interesting. What, uh, what spindle speed do you have? 12. Okay. That's not as bad but as it could be. I've been looking at cool speed and... Mm-hmm. They make, apparently, I didn't realize this, they make two different modules. One of them's designed for high pressure, like 1,000 PSI. And the other one's designed for, I, and I knew about that one, and that one can go up to like 80,000 RPM. Mm-hmm. But they have another one that's designed for 3,000 P, or 300 PSI, and it goes up to 4,500 uh, okay. RPM, that's... which is still really good. Yeah. So I might be looking into that for... Uh, and it can it can accept up to a quarter inch tool. Okay, which at forty five hundred RPM or forty five thousand RPM is massive. Yeah, yeah. So, especially if I'm going to do any kind of mold work with small tooling, that would be awesome for that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, but I don't I don't know I haven't seen any mold parts yet. They were supposed to email us I guess today, but I never saw anything unless they emailed Weston. Who's been out of town and shows up tomorrow? Okay. So, I've been I've been solo for about a week, and I'm ready to have him back because it's been utter chaos. I haven't been able to get done, as much done as I'd like to. Just, just too much stuff. <laughs> too too like people coming to see the new shop and just yeah craziness. And I got my my largest customer is coming. They were going to come tomorrow, but I pushed it back to Thursday. They're going to come see the shop. They they probably did 60 to 70% of our work last year. And they're going to come get a tour of the shop. And I really want to get a five axis part running when they come to visit. I haven't. Yeah. I, I was working on that on on uh, yesterday. I was trying to come up with a part. And the part I came up with. I finally got it to work, but I don't have any tooling long enough to reach down into the center pocket. (laughs) So I was going to do, I wanted to do like a a pen holder that was kind of like an organic pen holder that I found online, but I don't have any tooling that can take out the center deep enough. How, how deep is it? It's like four inches. And I have like the uh, deepest long reach cutter I have is like three inches in aluminum. So I could can probably you... get it to work if I stuck it out even further. Yeah. But it's, I don't know. We'll see. I'm not sure if I want to push it that hard. Um, 
but especially as a demo part in front of customers <laughs> yeah yeah so i goes flying I'll, yeah I'll, I'll come up with something else because I, I wanted to give them something just as a thank you and so i might i might do something else but i wanted to run something on the five axis that i could give them to keep on their desk and to keep me in the back of their head yeah when they're when they're working so yeah I, <laughs> you know, those projects that you really want to do, but you know that you don't have time for or mm-hmm. the resources. I mm-hmm. th- all this looking into zero point stuff has made me want to come up with a. Basically, I want to come up with a system that's what I wanted the Chuck Puck, Puck system to be, because mm-hmm. I feel like Saunders is over. Not, I, I'm not going to say that he has overpriced it. Like I'm sure that his costs are or his price is reasonable for his costs, but to get a good system, like a, to get a good setup with his system, it's like two thousand dollars or three thousand uh, dollars, depending on the size of stuff you want to do. Which at that point, just go buy a Lang system. Have you looked into what Pearson's doing? He hasn't. I don't think he's released it yet, but he's released a video and shown it. I'm vaguely remembering he has like something. Oh, actually, yeah, maybe this is what you need to put on your. I know he has like a multi-axis Pearson system. Yeah, I don't think it's out yet. Yeah, that's what you need. Yeah, you need to put that on your your Trunion. Yeah, because I saw it in a video. He hasn't released it yet. Oh, no, he has. It's out now. Ooh. We're, we're into the shopping on a podcast uh, segment portion of, the show. of our yeah segment of the show. What's it called? Uh, Max Four, Max Palette System. Max Four because it's for like a four-axis setup. Yeah, but it's it's a single thing that locks down. Yeah, that is. Yeah, it's a very pretty setup. <laughs> yep. I like that. It is expensive. It is expensive. I wonder how it compares to Shunk. I don't even look at the prices on Shunk. But Some things are better left unsaid. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's that's cool. I like that. Yeah, because that's, that's a nice system because it, it raises it up a little bit, which I like. And then you could have it replaceable. Do it with a vi- I could do it with everything at that point. I like that. Yeah. Anyway, that's probably, I've been thinking about that's, zero points. <laughs> yeah. A lot. That's probably. Yeah. That's probably. I like that system. I, I would. I would want to look into Shunk and Lang to compare. Because mm-hmm. uh, I don't necessarily need the pneumatic release for that system. Um. Even if I go robot at some point and and have it robot loading with a cobot, um, my work holding, I'm not planning on changing out with a robot. So I just need something that's low profile and rigid that I can yeah. change up my work holding with and quickly repeatable. and repeatedly. Yep. You should just go Lang. That's probably that makes the most sense. It's probably the lowest profile out of everything that I've seen so far. It's probably what makes the most sense for me, too. But I am liking the Aurora. 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 
<laughs> yeah. The only thing I don't like about them is how how thick, like how the, the vertical stack up of like the center pole stud. Yeah. It's also like very open and exposed to chips and stuff. Yeah. That's the thing that freaks me out more than anything. Yeah, both of those. Like, I know it's a good system. Uh, I've watched Adam the Machinist a lot, and he's got a yeah. lot of the Roa stuff, and I really like it. At least, I, 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 it's so cool that he can have stuff mounted on a fourth axis, and then load, and then move that that whole assembly down to a vertical axis, to where he can get to five of the five of the six sides. Yeah, and then he can take the part and move it over into his grinder, and never take it off the fixture like the whole time. Like yep. that is freaking awesome and i want to be able to do all that at some point and so while the pearson system looks awesome and i really like it um the lang system or a shunk system would be more modular across multiple things i think i think the i think what what pearson's got is great for a single solution but not really cross-pollinating yes so and Lang has really nice vices. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Anyway, I'm still thinking about building my own, even that's a terrible idea. This was this was my my philosophy that was gonna be behind the design. Was basically things like dowel pins and um like precision balls are very cheap ways of getting high precision. And mm-hmm. so I was gonna I was trying to think up of a way that I could basically make everything work with just like all of the precision components being, mm-hmm. you know, balls and dowels. Yeah. I don't know if that's possible, but that was my, my theory. Another thing I've been thinking about is I've got the two vices on my table right now. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like the appeal of eventually replacing those two vices with like, one of those really long orange vices that like uh-huh. they're super modular. Yeah. Uh, Cause two of those would allow you to hold. Cause I think you can get them in like 22 or even longer bodies that basically run the full length of the table in my Y axis. And then okay. I can hold yeah. on to a, like really big parts. So you can also get the, the Ling vices that go on a stick that you can like tile next to each other. <laughs> yeah. I've thought about those too. But even, I believe, if you have two, like, if you have one of the Lang base plates down, you could put two vices next to each other, and they would align to each other. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I had some people who, like, I, we posted a reel on Instagram, I think it's sort of, or no, it wasn't real. It was uh, the stories, daily stories. Mm-hmm. We did that with our first five axis part. We didn't save it. Um, but I had some people that commented on it that were like, your two vices disturb me because they're two different vices. Oh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Because they don't match. Uh, Because I have a... They're both Haas branded, but one of them is a machinist vice and one of them is a rebranded Kurt vice. And we bought one of them and the other one came as as a... uh, in a kit with the new machine. Um, So they're slightly different heights and they're completely different designs so but i still have them lined up perfectly parallel that if i wanted to span apart across both i could and i would just have to go off of the height of the taller one and then just clamp lower on the other one 
So not the end of the world, but it depends on the part. Speaking so. of the end of the world, can I move into administrative details? Yeah, go for it. So anybody who's watching this on YouTube, we are also on conventional podcast players. If you are listening to this in a conventional podcast player, we are also on YouTube with video. Or we're on we're both audio and video on Spotify, if that's your thing. We also have a Patreon now as patreon.com slash taps and patience. Uh, huge shout out to our Patreons, in particular, EJ at Nocturnal Welding. Uh, Simon, Thought Bomb Design, and Jake Brownson. All of those people are paying for the um, the medium tier where they get their name read off every time. And we really do appreciate them. So if you would like to support us in particular, we're not even going to take any money out of our Patreon until IMTS time. And we are going to use that money to get us to IMTS. So um, if you are joining the, the Patreon, that's where the money is going. We are not putting it in our pocket it's just going to imts um and we will do a meetup at imts details still pending i need to bug pocket nc because they haven't answered me back but i'm aiming for monday in the pocket nc booth but pocket nc doesn't know this yet so (laughs) maybe don't uh write that on your calendar yet but that is the thought so if you'd like to come to the meetup shoot me a message and we'll kind of start getting an idea of how many people want to come Oh, oh, oh. And last administrative detail, if you are a small business who does manufacturing related things, uh, you can also shoot me an email at AJ at Audacity Micro, and we will give you a shout out for free because all ships rise with the tide. Um, The only catch is you have to be a small business and you have to do something physical. Make a physical part or uh, offer a service who makes physical parts. Mm hmm. Why don't you be someone from McMaster who wants a shout out? Yeah, I I would do that. <laughs> or actually, honestly, even if you make software to make physical parts, that also still applies because we like our our friends over at Toolpath Labs and um, yeah, Toolpath.com. So we're we'll shill for anybody for free unless yeah. you have money, in which case we will shill for money. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for selling us really low there, AJ. (laughs) On that note. (laughs) We set the bar low and then we tapered off from there. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, so with that, thanks for hanging out with us for a little while. We're both a little goofy and loopy, but we stayed on track for most of it. Uh, (laughs) This has been Harrison with Precision Ingenuity, signing out with AJ of Audacity Micro. (laughs) Bye!